Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. KMOX and your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, welcome and thanks for stopping by. We'll be taking the good gardening stroll shortly, but right now you can call 314 314- Four three six seven nine hundred or one eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty with questions, comments, or concerns. Alex will be answering the phone. He just needs your first name and where you're calling from, Mr. Kelly. Before you take off, yes, have you gone to the grocery stores? Yeah, I go about have, once every other week, almost. <laughs> Not very often. Well, have you noticed that there's certain aisle, there's certain arrows on certain aisles that you can only go one direction or another? Not at the ones I've been to, and it's what? not a bad idea. We were talking about that when Sue and I were at a store the other day, and she's like, you know, they really should have it to where you go one way down the aisle, like they the old Piggly Wigglies. So I got a uh, ticket. Because I went the wrong way down Did an you? aisle. And you said, but officer, I was only going one way. <laughs> and I was going backwards. I was backing down the aisle oh. so it looked like I was going the right direction. And, and it didn't fool him. No, it no. didn't. No. Oh. So, I'm, you know, I got a $500 ticket. <laughs> For what? <laughs> a ticket to what? <laughs> ticket to ride? Paradise. No. Oh, okay. Two. Did you get two then? Yes. No, I mean, that's just incredible that yeah. they have those things now. Well, you know, Mike, you really need to go the right way. We need to get you turned around so you're going the right way. I never go right. You never go right? <laughs> no. no, I always go forward. <laughs> right. Yes. Exactly. Okay. Well, you scuff long. <laughs> yes, folks, Saturday mornings we get together and have a roundtable discussion about what's impacting your backyard, your front yard. Are you enjoying working in the outdoors or just you don't have to necessarily work, just be out there and enjoy it. Specialty garden space, a taste of the tropics. Those houseplants, yes, they can certainly be outside, but watch out. If they haven't been outside for all winter long, uh, put them out in the direct sun and they could really sunburn. How to improve your soil to get better plant materials, whether you're growing something to eat or something to aesthetically eat. So in other words, view, pruning, bugs, diseases, and everything else. Using information I'll share with you, and uh, hopefully I'll help you solidify your options. And the final judgment is going to be up to you. By the way, this is your show, and I appreciate you inviting me into your home, car, or wherever you happen to be listening. And another very important player is Alex. He's producing, so he answers the phone again. First name and where you're calling from is all he needs. I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. And I can come to your home and do landscape consultations, if you like. And I call it a walk and talk. Today, it's basically, no, it's not basically. It's, it's Weldon Springs and then back into Webster. 
You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. On the homepage has my email address and phone number where I can be reached. Well, anyway, let's get moving on the stroll, and it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. I always start off, I never know in the morning where I'm going to go for my good gardening stroll. I just kind of let my imagination take over. So anyway, today I ended up at 18th and Pestalozzi. You say Pestalozzi 18th, hmm. Well, right across the highway on the east side is where Anheuser-Busch is. But where I was, this space was backdrop by a wooden fence that has Boston ivy growing all over. There's trees on the, from the other side of the fence reaching over. And a sign tells the story, Jardin de Cuisine. And it's with partnership of St. Louis Composting and Effinger's Garden Center. So there's raised beds, and the raised bed had uh, some eggshells and oyster shells, too. <laughs> I've never seen oyster shells in a bed, but, uh, you know, who knows? And there was some vegetables thrown in there as well. Some small small four-inch pots, red French tarragon, milkweed, and copper iris. Several times in mints, and Joe Pieweed were growing in some of the bed spaces as well. There's one plant called Little Finger Eggplant. Barbecue rosemary, that's a new one on me, too. I've never heard of barbecue rosemary before. Sage, parsley are growing. Clematis on the trellises back by the fence, too, were in bloom. That was really kind of nice to see those. In between the raised beds, well, there's Dutch white clover, there's lawn, and then there's violets. And as I said before, the Boston ivy grows all over the fence. There's a couple bales of straw that have been piled up there. And they are sprouting some new blades. I can't tell what the straw actually is, but they're starting to set some seed. And uh, um, it was just really kind of amazing. A, giant, a nice compost pile sits there ready to go. There's a hose all curled up. There's some large rocks that sit on the edge. And a few, a few broken pots add texture. There's to this where the spider warts are, where the air gun is. And a couple of robins are sitting on a fence, and they're staring at me, wondering, what am I doing? And uh, dry maple squirts from the tree on the other side of the fence as well had blown over. And they almost look like uh, Mardi Gras confetti. So quite the day at the Jardin de Cuisine. The sun was rising, the sparrows were chirping, and that says it is time to go. So Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, welcome back. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. This past Wednesday, I had a walk and talk in Jerseyville, Illinois. It was great. I went up through Alton and then went along the river road and then went up to through Clifton Clifton Terrace and it was a you know nice ride, had a good time. So let's head over to Larry's yard. Larry, how are you today? Oh, I'm doing great, sir. Great. And I hope you're doing well. It sounds like you had a nice walk. Yes. Okay, the uh, I'm sorry, I started to walk back by my radio. Um I have Japanese maple that is starting to reach over a banister. That is needed for the wall or for the step. Um, I don't know how much I can prune and when. Basically, the maples prefer to be pruned in the summertime because in the wintertime, even though these are not ones that are tapped for smear, you know, 
maple syrup or anything. It's better to prune them in the summertime. But don't just cut it back over the banister. Cut it back all the way to the where it's attached to the next biggest branch. That'll be much better than just stubbing the thing off. So so wait wait until June or yeah, July. Yeah, right, exactly. Okay. And then the Are the trees stub, about the same? Or pardon me. I have many trees to do. <laughs> I didn't know if other trees were treated the same or not. No, maples are the ones, maples, beeches, and birches are the ones that prefer to be pruned in the summertime. The majority, everything else would prefer to be pruned in the wintertime. So whether it be oak or sycamores or, you know, whatever else, elm trees, they, uh, they prefer the winter. Yeah. 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 The chestnut is getting pretty bad. Too. Yeah. The chestnuts is wintertime. Okay. Well, thank you very, very much. Certainly. You have a great day. Yep, you too. And speaking of chestnuts, uh, Christie Park, which is right across the street from where we live, there's two red chestnuts in bloom right now, and they are striking. Let's head over to Paul's yard, and he lives in Redbud. Hi, Paul. Hi, Mike. Uh, I have a green ash tree in my yard. Mm -hmm. My neighbor has a... They're calling it a Chinese ash. Gets little black clusters on it when they fall off. Anyway, the tr- the leaves are about gone on both these trees. Whoa. The maples in the neighborhood, the pecans are full of leaves. The red buds are going. These both these trees are about sixty years old. Oh, yeah, that's my fear. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Our- I mean, they're a good five foot in diameter. Wow! They're, yeah, they're That's uh, huge. Yeah, and they're probably fifty, fifty five feet tall. Both of them, they're huge. Uh, am I losing them? Doesn't sound good. I mean, yeah. it's not to. I mean, as mild as this past winter was, they should be fully leafed out. But to me, it just—it's an indication that you know, like any you know, anything as it gets you know, as it ages, it's just not able to produce what it historically has done in the past. So yeah. it doesn't what? sound good. I'm not saying you have to you know take them out right now, but I would say if you wait another year and there's this amount of leaves or less, then you definitely know that you're on you know on the downhill slide. Okay. Yeah, last year we kind of thought maybe that uh, with all the rain we had last year, the tree was shedding because it was trying to keep itself in balance, right. you know. But this year, I I think our rainfall is down a little bit. Yeah, it's down okay. here in southern Illinois. It is okay. I think so. I'm not for positive, but that that's that was my theory. Maybe too much rain or not enough rain, but as old as they are, right. So, okay, that's the scary part. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. All right. The unfortunate thing, too, is, you know, trees that you've enjoyed for so long and everything else, when you take them down, there's going to be a massive root system that even if you grind the stump out, the root system is going to stay viable, even though the top part was diminishing. And But probably the root system's diminishing as well because the root system sends nutrients and moisture up to the leaves, and the leaves make food, chlorophyll, and then it shares with the rest of the tree. So when there's less leaves and there's less food, and, you know, it's just it's sort of like a, down spir- a downward spiral. Okay. Well, I'll wait till next spring, and if, if it survives a storm, I'll know. <laughs> right, exactly. So, okay, thank you for your time. Certainly, my pleasure. And thanks Bye-bye. for calling and having me on your show. Let's head over to Greg's yard now. Hi, Greg. 
Hey, good morning. Hey, I've got uh, just uh, two questions. From the uh, mulch that uh, the place has, would you know which one would keep like a dark color the longest, uh, like a fine one? I've the last time I did it was a couple of years ago, and I just used bagged. Mm-hmm. And it's still got some of the color, but it's just big pieces now. So I guess all the the better stuff kind of sunk in, and it's just kind of the big chunks. But which of the finer kind would hold the color the best? Uh, it's really, de- you know, it depends upon exposure-wise, because, you know, the sun is bleaching this stuff out. It's just like leaving, you know, a a piece of material out in the sun, it's going to finally just almost go white. So that's what's right. basically happening. And also with the smaller pieces, there. I mean, this is something that's organic, so it breaks down on its own. That's what part of the whole idea of, with mulch is, is also to enrich your soil while it's creating the aesthetic you know, value of what a mulch does. So, okay. And then one other one area I've got really doesn't get much sun at all, but I want to put a couple... Uh, plants or bushes, something that won't get very big. Um, what are a couple of different plants that do well in mostly mostly shade? Is it, um, is it shade one I kind of looked was a fiery arborvitae, but I don't know if that'll do good in uh Again, there's not a whole lot of sun throughout the day. Yeah, the arborvitae, really, they can handle the shade, but they won't do well. I mean, they'll survive. So are you looking for something evergreen? Yeah, probably evergreen because I want – it's an area I just want to have something that looks like it's there. Okay. Uh, maybe think about there's a – how big do you need something to be? Um, I'm probably – it's probably maybe an area like – 15 feet long and 8 feet wide, so okay. I was probably going to put, like, three things there. So yeah, height-wise, you don't care, though? Um, I don't want them to get very big, three or four feet. Oh, that's pretty small. Yeah. So I would probably say... Very hmm. small. Yeah, I would... Uh, that's kind of a tough one. I would say look at the uh, Abelia, A-B-E-L-I-A, and look uh-huh. at Edward Goucher. That's a... It'll, it's evergreen. It flowers pretty much all summer long, and it can handle the shade if the shade is not from nearby tree roots. So if the if you, this shade is created by trees, then it's going to be difficult for anything to survive there. Yeah, I mean it's in a it's in its own bed type okay. of thing. So, but there's a tree twenty five feet away. Oh, that's you know that's plenty. That's you know, that distance is fine. So okay. I would look at the abelia and, you know, something that's not going to get probably quite as big as what you want. Uh, it won't be evergreen. Look at the sweet spire. Okay. Which is ITEA as a botanical name, I-T-E-A. So, right. Another one, I took a picture of the place and it looked, I kind of like it. It's uh, a unanimous uh, emerald gaiety. Yeah. That would, you um, know, I mean, how about something like yeah, you could you could give it a try. That's has variegated foliage, right? Right. Basically, what's going to happen is over time, it's going to lose that variegation. Okay, but at least if it if it'll still grow and I have something there. Yeah, right. That's good. So all that, right, perfect. Thank you. Certainly. Good luck ah, with that. Bye bye. Yep. And now let's head over to Judy's yard. Hi, Judy. How are you? 
Good morning, Mike. I'm fine, thank you. Um, I have a green ash that is planted on a berm, raised berm, and it's been shedding its uh, leaves the last week and for the past several years, and the leaves have brown spots. And right now it's budded out, but obviously it has some kind of fungus. Should I get it sprayed? Is Is there hope for this tree? Uh, the brown spots now, basically, if it is a fungus, probably have a tree service come out and find out exactly what it is. But for fungus problems, you know, spray after it's already, let's say, set on the foliage really is not going to do all that much good. You should spray as the leaves are coming out of the buds and then spray for a second time after the leaves maybe are two-thirds or three-fourths of the way out. So that would be the better time to, you know, for any kind of fungus, it's better to start before it's obvious rather than, you know, after it's, you know, obvious. So uh, the leaves are already out now. I right. mean, it's in full, so this is too late to spray? Yeah, you're not, it's not going to really be to the advantage. The fungus is probably, you know, if this is a fungus for sure, then it's, you know, it's not going to make that much difference, to be honest yeah. with you. So you want to oh. you want to kind of stop it, and it, it's going to stop on its own, but it, because it probably doesn't spread from leaf to leaf, it's probably mm-hmm. in the bud when the buds start pushing out, and that's mm-hmm. how the leaf gets it. So it's already got as much, let's say, fungus on those leaves that it's going to get for this year. Could it be a winter burn? Oh, uh, I guess it could be, but that doesn't, you know, that doesn't sound like, you know, what a winter burn mm-hmm. circumstance would be. Mm-hmm. It could so, be, uh, I'll tell uh, you what, it could be, it could be hail damage. Oh. I mean, it's because, like a bruise. Uh-huh, because the tree is all in, butted out and all the leaves are look healthy mm-hmm. and right now, and this has been happening for the past several years. Right, so I would say it's, you know, Something that you could be worried about, or you could do something, but you know, I mean, as far if it is, it turns out to be a fungus, then it's going to have to be, a, you know, an application every year. It's not like you do it once and then get rid of the problem. So just I understand see. that. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Certainly, my pleasure. <laughs> and let's let's go over to Wendy's yard now. Hi, Wendy. Hi, Mike. Hey, I have a question. We planted four. Um, um, green giants and the guy that planted them for me, he put, uh, he staked them, he staked them. And this was back in September. Do they need to be staked or should I take those stakes off? Uh, generally the staking, if it's, if it was tight staking, then that's not really good. But yeah, I mean, usually after about six or eight months or so, which it's been that long, you could take the stakes, you know, the staking down. Yeah, he's got them tied. Yeah, in the so take so, all that off. Yeah, because I mean, if you, what happens if you if they're staked really tight, and the, when the wind blows, then the tree is not going to move. These are green giant arborvitae. It doesn't matter what kind of tree it is, and if the tree doesn't, let's say, wave in the wind, then that slows the let's say establishment and also the size, the girth increasing in the trunk. So you got to take the staking down after. You know, probably I'd go ahead and get it taken down now. Okay, will do. And then I have another question. So we built this house in last, and not last summer, um, the summer before, I guess. We put in zoysia. Well, is it 
all the zoysia is not really coming back. It looks dead in Ooh. patches. Yeah. Do we have a fungus? Is it dead? Is it is it just late in coming in? No, it should be green by now. I mean, it should start greening the first of this month, and it should be pretty darn green by yeah up to this point. So to me, that doesn't sound good. And hopefully the soil was improved before you put the zoysia down because it needs a pretty organic soil to do well. All lawn does, but zoysia in particular needs... So, in other words, if it was new construction and the sod was just kind of laid on the ground that was there, then that's not a good sign. Okay. So then does that mean you till it up, you laid new down? Yeah. Well, you could either – I mean, you could take a couple different approaches. Probably try to improve the soil. So, in other words – do, you know, get a, somebody to come out or do it yourself, do a core aeration, and then top dress with uh, compost and just sort of live with what there is for a year or so until you can get this soil, let's say, invigorated with adding compost to it. Okay. And then third question, um, same thing. I want to create a hedge as a privacy fence. It's going to cover about 40 feet um, in length, and I want it pretty tall. And but it cannot have a a, a wide a wide girth. Um, so I was looking at Taylor junipers, but they seem to be too tall and too skinny. And then I was thinking about hibiscus purple pillar, but that seems to be too big of a spread. Um, I would prefer something that flowers that doesn't give a big spread, but. I basically I want it to be tall and I want it to be a natural privacy fence. Yeah, I mean your kind of your restrictions on what you want is kind of uh, very iffy. So just understand that. I mean, as far as wide, you don't want it wide. I mean, what is wide? Ten feet wide? Five feet wide? Yeah, I'd, I'd rather have it more the spread of the plant to be more in the four to six feet. Oh, so, I mean, that's a pretty tight spot because, I mean, most of the plants that are going to grow that tight are going to be the evergreens, the arborvitae, the upright junipers, and things along that line. If you okay. wanted, if you're willing to sort of sacrifice some space, you could try some of the, you know, like leather leaf viburnum, but it's over time, it's going to get wider than what you want. Now you can prune it to keep it more narrow. Okay, so your advice is then to stick with the evergreens. Right. To, to, to keep, to, to not have the spread so wide. Exactly. And then what are there various types of evergreens? I mean, or is it or is it my only choice like a Taylor juniper? No, I mean there's several different kinds of junipers, but just make sure when you buy a juniper that you get juniperus, that's the botanical name, and the second word should be chinensis. So in other words, it's okay. a juniper from China because they don't seem to get the cedar apple rust like the ones that are native to here. Okay, perfect. All right, Mike, thanks so much for your help. Certainly. Mike Have Miller, a good day. Mike Miller, KM Wash Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, and 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We do have a couple lines open, but right now we're headed over to Ken's yard. Hi, Ken. Hi, Mike. Hi. Um, I got a question about some spirea that's been on my property for about 60 years. It's the um, wedding veil type uh, spirea. Mm-hmm. Uh, can that be, how far back can that be trimmed? 
I'll tell you, if you cut it back too far, then, you know, there's not going to be any viable buds along the stems that remain. So if if you have to prune it, then I would not. I Obviously, it's already finished flowering, correct? Yeah, it's in the process of finishing up. Yeah, so I would say don't cut more than 25% off. Okay, well, I had looked. Look, try to look that up on the internet, and uh, what I found there it suggested like cutting it down almost to the ground. Yeah, but I mean that's going to be something that old. I don't even know if it's going to. I mean, they are they do you know produce. Uh, yeah, there are they are colonizers. Let's put it that way. But they don't send out a lot of shoots. You know, at the base like some of the other shrubs do. So I would see. I'd be very careful about cutting it back that far for sure. I say twenty five percent is the maximum. Right. Okay. Well, I will do that, and I guess I can trim it back anytime now it's done flowering. Yeah, you've got about a month or two after it finishes flowering, and then if you go beyond that and prune it, then you're cut, potentially cutting off the flower buds for next year. Right. Okay. Well, the only other thing I was thinking about, I, I've got some newer ornamental uh, spirea that was planted too close to the sidewalk, and it only gets about two, three foot high. Right, and I decided to just get rid of it, so I cut it down to the ground last fall, and it's coming back up beautiful now. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's not really old, so that's you know, I mean, no, that's no, a it different, isn't. It's no. a different, you know, different variety too. Right, yeah, it is a different variety. Okay, the age is a big factor with what I've got then, right? Absolutely, and variety wise. Right. Okay, and. Um, Age-wise, is there a, a limit to that? Should I be thinking about pulling them out, putting something else in? Or Well, not necessarily, because if they're still flowering, you're still happy with them. I would say let them go until they finally, you know, we've had a couple calls today about trees and a few other things that have, you know, gotten, let's say, past their prime, and aesthetically they're starting to lose their value. So consequently, that's when, you know, it's time to take something out. It's not unless you just want to routinely change stuff for the sake of change. Right. Okay. Well, very good. You've helped me a lot. I right. thank you. All right. And now let's go from Ken's yard over to Gus's yard. Hi, Gus. Uh, hello, Mike. Hi. Please enjoy your show. I got a question about roses. Do you know uh, what the black spot leaves are? Yeah, it's a fungus. Okay, do you know how to get rid of that, or what can I do with that? Well, basically, it was, you know, as I was talking about with, uh, you know, potentially that ash tree, I think it was, that the lady had potentially fungus on it. You start spraying a fungicide before it starts showing up is the ideal thing to do. Oh, okay. So, I mean, you could go ahead and, you know, give it a spray because it's not a big tree and, you know, see if you can kind of arrest it. But roses have a lot of fungus problems anyway. So you might prevent future funguses by spraying it now. What's there may just stay, but it might prevent any other additional fungus from, you know, generating. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, I put in some roses. I got rid of my knockout roses and put in, like, an American Beauty and oh. Anna's Promise. Right. And so I'm trying my luck with roses, and I, I keep getting – last year I had mites, and this year I got the black spots. I'm going crazy trying <laughs> to figure out how to do, keep the – Grow roses, right. <laughs> roses, you know. Yeah, but man, I got a fungus. I, I got a fungicide at a <clears throat> at a n- nursery, so, it, so I, I should just start spraying the whole bush then. Yeah, just go ahead and do it, and then just watch out. The spider mites, you know, they haven't started to emerge yet, or I haven't seen them, so you may still have spider mite problems on them this year too. 
Okay, yeah, I got my stuff for that, too. Okay, good deal. Thank you, Mike. Yep. And so next year, you know, if you know historically you've had fungus on your foliage of your roses, spray just as the leaves are coming out early on before the fungus is visible. That's the best thing. Oh, okay. Great. Well, thank you very much. I didn't know. Thank you. Okay, uh, thanks. Yeah, let's go from Gus's yard over to Ann's yard. Hi, Ann. Uh, Yes, Mike. A couple of weeks ago, there was a gentleman on the they called in, and he said that he had the perfect answer to killing violets. Did you by any chance write down what he said? Because it was a strange, long name. No, I really didn't. <laughs> okay. Would you mind, or I guess maybe asking him if he if he's listening, to call in and give it to you one more time, because he said it guaranteed to work, and I'm desperately looking for something. Also, um, I want to plant. I want to plant some cocktail tomatoes, but I want to plant them in pots. Is potting soil too rich to use in pots for tomatoes? Do they require just regular dirt? No, not regular dirt. You want potting mix, not potting soil. I meant potting mix. Potting yeah, mix. potting, potting mix, mix and then fertilize and water and everything else. But I think, you know, tr- I think what he was talking about, it was actually an, an ester. So tr- I think it's Truflon, T-R-U-F-L-O-N, Truflon ester, but when it, when it spell that T R U T R U F L O N, I believe that's how. But you can you know check the spelling. But E S T E R, and I said that is a, you know a, basically a chemical that's not available to homeowners. Oh. And so oh, consequently, okay. you know, he said, "Well, I ordered it online." Oh. So okay. I didn't hear him say that. Well, yeah. It, do you, Do you think it's not something that it's safe to use? Well, I mean. Basically, people that use it are ones that have professional pesticide applicators licenses and stuff along that line. So that's kind of what you're looking at. Okay. Now, does it kill things other than violets? In other words, is it going to kill my grass because the violets are in my grass? It really shouldn't, but, yeah, here it is. Let's see. It kills, you know, kills Bermuda grass. It could be uh, Trifluent Ultra, Annual Perennial Weeds. So T T U R F L O N Ester E S T E R Ultra U L T R A, and okay. so it'll kill basically broadleaf weeds. It won't kill your lawn. Won't kill my lawn. Okay. Well, but, you know, as far as being able to get it, that's going to be. You that's going to be the toughy part. Yes. Okay. Well, I'll try online. Thank you so much. Right. I really appreciate it. Certainly. Thank you. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, we're headed to Arnold and going into Gene's yard. Hi, Gene. Hello, Mike. Hi. Uh, I want to spray uh, Roundup grass and weed killer around my fence line and in one of these really bad overgrown uh planter box things that I have in the, next to the patio. How My question is, how long after I spray that and it kills everything, can I start incorporating new plants or even seeds? Well, basically, Roundup deactivates when it hits the soil. So it, okay. what's absorbed into the plant, it stays in the plant, goes down in the root system and everything else. So generally, it's uh, you, know, you can read the label to make sure, but it's about two weeks afterwards. That gives oh, you kind okay. of a safe buffer. Okay. All righty. Well, thank you very much. Certainly. I appreciate it. Yeah, Love my pleasure. <laughs> Bye-bye. And now let's go up to Crestwood, or over to Crestwood from Arnold and into Patchard. Hi, Pat. 
Hi, Mike. Um, several, a couple of months ago, I put down my pre-emergent, and so that's doing fine. But now I'm seeing that it's time for me to do my second, second application of weed and feed. Mm-hmm. And if I put that down, how long do I have to wait if I want to put some grass seed and some bare spots? Well, weed and feed kills broadleaf weeds. It doesn't kill lawn or grass or narrow-bladed things. Okay, so I could go ahead and put grass seed down at the same time or right after? Well, you know, I wouldn't do it necessarily right after, but also realizing putting grass seed down this time of year, it's going to be brutal as far as being able to survive. Yeah, these are just in like little bare spots here and there. Okay, so rake it up really well, put the grass seed down, and cover it with about a quarter inch or so of compost and you know, to try to help insulate it. But still, I mean, it's going to be, you know, it's going to germinate. It's going to look fine. But then it's going to be facing the heat of our summertime. What kind of seed are you putting down, bluegrass or fescue? All fescue. Yeah. So it's still, I mean, it's a little bit more resilient than the the bluegrass, but it's still going to have a very difficult time during our summer. Well, I'm hoping to get it started before it gets too hot. But <laughs> grass does get cut like three inches high. Okay. So that helps shade it somewhat. Right. Okay, and as far as clover going in parts of the lawn, I, I hate to use Roundup because I think it'll kill the grass that's regular with it, right? Yes, it will. It'll kill anything. Okay, so maybe I'll just try something else yeah, or learn with yeah, it. <laughs> yeah, give it a, you know, give it a just, I mean, clover's a really difficult one to get it under control. So go to your favorite garden center, ask them the products they have, what they'd recommend for clover. Okay. All right. Well, great. Thank you very much. Certainly. And now let's go to Tom's yard. Hi, Tom. Are you there? Yes. Hi, Mike. Hey, um, I have about uh, seven dogwoods in my yard, and this year uh, I didn't get very good blooms on on about half of them, and there's no rhyme or reason. I can't figure out why, and I also wondered, does do I need to fertilize them? And if so, then what's the best time to do that? But I'm just kind of, and my Kusa dog was there. They hardly have any blooms on them either. Really? So That's I just wanted surprising. to know, was this, a bad, was, this, was this a bad year for dogwoods? Not at all. They have been more spectacular than I remember. Well, what's, I, have two, I only had two or three really good blooming ones. The rest of them were very sparse. Well, I, you, know, may, you know, maybe age-wise, are they, how old are they? One of them was only uh, three years old, but the, but the other ones were, uh, you know, here on the property when I bought the property three years ago. But okay. I planned, one of the new ones I, I had planted uh, didn't have many blooms. I don't know if it was sun-related or, or well, what. Well, it's not sun, timing. but probably that might be a maturity factor, so I wouldn't be too much in a panic. But what I do is do some called deep root feeding, where during after the foliage falls off of them, you get an earth auger. And you start augering mm-hmm. holes down and backfill those holes with compost. So, in other words, you're going to feed the soil and let the soil feed the trees. And I do that now? No, I would probably wait until the foliage falls off. Oh, the foliage falls off? Yeah, oh, okay. so in the fall. So, okay. after that's a better yeah. time to yeah. do it. And so, really? I thought they set their buds like in uh, September. They do, but, you know, it should be, you're, again, you, you're not going to have an instant impact. Nothing's going to be able to do an instant. So you're going to try to feed the soil, get the soil healthier, and then you may be another year or so to wait 
But, uh, yeah, that's, you know, I mean, you can do it whenever you want to. So you go out halfway mm-hmm. from the trunk to the drip line and start mm-hmm. augering holes about two feet apart and then another circle about a foot beyond that and then keep going until you go past, slightly past the drip line. All right, then. Okay. I mean, you can do right, it if you want much. to. It's, uh, you that? know, I just, I really, when you're augering, you're going to be augering and kind of tearing up the root system. And in summertime, I just prefer not to do that. So I would say. No, I, I hear you. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Makes sense. All right. Okay. Thanks, Mike. Yep. Make- and we won't be able to get another call in because it's almost the end. But uh, if you do have any questions or concerns, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. You know, speaking of spectacular, I think this has been the best spring that I can possibly remember for, you know, things like dogwoods and all kinds of different things. But right now, the iris, you know, all kinds of different, the the traditional flags are really looking spectacular. And it's very, very nice. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. See you after the news. KMOX and your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, welcome to the Garden Hotline Tip of the Trial Hour, which I'll be giving shortly. But right now, you can call 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 with your ideas, questions, concerns, or comments. And, Mr. Kelly, before you uh, sort of slip out into the newsroom. Yes, is there any uh, concept on when people are going to start coming back here at the station? Not yet. They're they're going to hold off for at least a couple more months as far as a lot of people coming back. And it really? could be a while. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of the things we're, we're adjusting pretty well. Right. Uh, like the sales staff is, is a lot of people. And they're apparently working out okay from home as far as we can tell, as far as I can tell. Right. And, uh, you know, I'm working from home a couple days. I'm getting used to it. And so that's going along better. So I think uh, we'll probably be pretty uh, thin-staffed here in person at the station for a while still. So maybe in the future this will shrink? That's a really good question. <laughs> and that's a question a lot of industries are going to be right. tackling. Exactly. You, know, I, you know, it reminds me of, like, after 9-11, remember, uh, people weren't flying for a while, so they did a lot of the, the – we didn't have Zoom at the time, but a lot of teleconferencing, sure. things like that. But I think after a while, you kind of miss that person-to-person contact, and, and you find out that business isn't done quite as well as it could be. Right. And so I have a feeling it's going to take a while, but eventually we'll get back more to face-to-face, you know, more everybody-gather-together type of thing. It's just, But it's, it might be a couple of years wow. until this thing, you know, we don't get a... Uh, get this thing under control. It could be a while, yeah. for sure. One, one quick one. Uh, I just find it very interesting. Doctors want to sort of like examine you over the let's yeah. say, internet. Now they don't take your temperature. They don't do anything. So yeah. all they do is look at you. Well, you go ah, put your phone in your mouth. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Put it up your nice. ear. You know, put it <laughs> elsewhere. I don't know. Uh, crazy. Yeah. Anyway, thanks. Okay. Good luck. And by the way, folks, thanks for having me on your show. And we can discuss plant selection, caring for, ups and downs related to annuals, bulbs. Yes, your daffodils and tulips and all that stuff are probably gone. But uh, your cannas and your elephant ears and your caladiums and your gladiolas, they should be showing some growth. Mine are not quite showing any growth yet. I have them in pots. 
But uh, we had a cool week, and that kind of slowed the process down. Your ground covers, your house plants, your lawn, your perennials, your roses, trees, shrubs, vines, or water gardens. I'll share my thoughts, but please remember, my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path to take, but strictly offered to you to consider. And across the big board is Alex, and he's producing again today. And so if you do call, he just needs your first name and where you're calling from. During the week, I spend time going uh, in landscape consulting, which I call walk and talks. And today after the show, Weldon Springs and then back into Webster Groves. And then after that, I'll do a few things in the yard before I come inside and just relax. So 314, no, no, no. Go to my website, www.mikemillerdesigns.com. The homepage, there's my email address and phone number. If you'd like to schedule a walk and talk, the tip of the trial is a special recognition for an individual group or a situation that's made an impression on me. And it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Tip of the trial goes out to the USPS, actually the Afton Post Office. Tracy went in because there's been some confusion. She shipped something to Portugal like over a month ago, and she's not, she was not getting any kind of updates related to if it, you know, where it is, anything else related to that. So she actually went into the post office in Afton and the gentleman that was there behind the counter took her name and said, you know, blah, 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 and then figured out, you know, he said, I'll take a look at it. And what it is, actually, she got the information that she needed. So a tip of the trial goes out to the Afton Post Office workers for doing something special and extra for Tracy because she was getting very frustrated that it had been over a month. And, you know, on the Internet, there was nothing that was, you know, the tracking number or anything was not giving her the update on where this package was. And the interesting thing is, uh, after a month, it's still just in Chicago. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> as opposed to Portugal. But I think that has something to do with the airlines and everything else. But anyway, enough of that. So just uh, thanks to the guys, the guy in the Afton Post Office for helping Tracy out. So let's take a couple of calls before we uh, take a break. Let's go to Dave's yard. Hi, Dave. Yeah, Mike. Uh, I'm the guy that called about the, uh, the Ester product to knock out the lawn violence. Uh-huh. And uh, you kind of you misquoted the woman. Um, let me spell this for you. It's a high yield brand product. Okay. It's try. It's T R I C L O P Y R Esther. Okay. And if you do a simple Google search, you can buy this on Amazon, anywhere you want to buy it, and. The stuff's like magic. If you apply it over the course of the season, you won't have violets the next year. All right. Great. And it also nails clover. Uh, It's the best herbicide I've ever used. And, you know, I've always used the the store, you know, the Home Depot stuff or whatever, which I think is fairly useless. But uh, (laughs) but I just wanted to correct you on that one. Hopefully the lady's listening and she'll take the advice. Right. So it's a high yield product, and it's not tr- true fan or turf lawn. No, 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 no. Listen to me now. Tr- tr- it's I'm going to spell it. Okay, T R I C L O P Y R. Okay. Triclopper, I guess. Esther. Okay. And then E S T E R would be the second word. So. And it, it, and it also suppresses 
Bermuda grass. Right. Nothing kills Bermuda grass unless you put grass killer on it. Right. But this, but this will knock it down to where if you can get a decent cool season grass mixed in over time, I don't know what kills Bermuda grass, honestly. <laughs> but but you know it'll it'll suppress it, and you know I think Bermuda grass is a lifelong effort. Right. But uh, but this is as good as anything I've ever tried. So. Well, great. Well, All thanks, right. Thanks for listening, and thanks for calling back in and getting me straight. Okay. <laughs> You're welcome, Mike. Yep. And now let's go to Springfield, Illinois, and see what's going on in Connie's yard. Hi, Connie. Hi, Mike. Um, I have a question. I recently took out a thornless um, hawthorn out of my yard. Mm -hmm. It was small. But I'd like to plant either a service berry or a dogwood in that area. Um, I don't want a tree that gets really large. Right. Can you tell me about those two and preferences and can i plant now or do i need to wait till the fall uh planting now is going to be really tough because we don't know how intense the summer is going to be so anything that's you know installed now it's just going to i mean it can survive and everything you're just going to have to you know sure. watch it as far as drought stress or overwatering and everything else again whichever one you choose the whole three times the diameter of the root ball but only about 80 percent is deep so in other words it's going to be the top of the root ball is going to be exposed and you're going to put some you know mulch over the top of that and it's personal preference as much as anything personally i like the kusa the chinese dogwood k-o-u-s-a because it blooms okay. a little bit later than the you know the native dogwood and it seems to just be a little bit tougher, but this year the all the dogwoods dogwoods were striking. And the service berry just has multi season appeal and the dogwood does too. Service berry flowers a couple weeks before the dogwood does and it produces a small red fruit. It's actually in the family, the apple family, and then it has nice fall color as well. So it's personal okay. choice. Well, thank you so much. Sure. And if you're gonna, if you want a tree form of this service berry, you want to make sure that it's it's going to be amelanchier and an arborea, a r b o r e a. That's the tree form. If you get the one that's amelanchier, I think canadensis, that's going to be the shrub form. Okay, and will these? It won't get very big, will it? Well, you're looking at you know, eight to wood. ten to twelve feet. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Thank you so much. Certainly, my pleasure. And uh, let's see, one more call before we go to break. Let's go up to Ferguson and into Rick's yard. Hi, Rick. Uh, morning, Mike. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I just wanted to chime in on the uh, on the product to kill violet. Uh, the gentleman you just had on and then the lady before, he talked about the tricloper ester. Right. And I think he mentioned a high-yield tricloper ester. That's a brand that you can buy, and I found it on a website called DoMyOwn.com, and on that website, there's a ton of reviews and a huge question and answer list that'll give you all the information that you need. Perfect. Well, thanks. You're welcome. Thank you. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's head over to Ellen's yard. Hi, Ellen. 
Hello, Mike. Hi. I have some um, 50-year-old white pines at the back of my border, and um, they were cut off years ago at the bottom to make mowing around them uh, a little easier. Mm -hmm. Anyway, they've been dying over the years, but I'm not going to take them all down because it's so expensive. Anyway, so I've got... um, there were a lot of these invasive trees growing up back there, and so we cut them all back this year. And now, by cutting them up and getting all that junk out of there, we don't have the privacy that we used to have. And um, so you can see right through, is there anything I could plant back there between these um, these 50-year-old uh, white pines uh, that would help me to have more of a privacy border back there. Well, it's going to take a while because anything you put in, regardless of what size you get, it's not going to probably give you the privacy of what you you know what you need or what you want. But probably in that circumstance, I'd look at uh, you know probably planting some of the spreading yews. Spreading yews. Yeah. Okay. Like uh, taxus is a genus. And then like Densiformis or Nigra, I prefer the Nigra, but it's not going to get as big as the Densiformis. And you're looking at, uh, well, the house across the street from me, this is a very old, you know, spreading you. It's probably uh, 20 feet high, but, I mean, it's been, you know, probably was put in when the house was built. But, uh, you know, get them as large as you possibly can. And uh, know the first couple years, two years or so, they're not going to grow hardly at all until they get themselves established. But they like an acidic soil, and all the pine needles dropping is going to be perfect for that. And they, you know, they, can, they should be able to handle, you know, kind of getting themselves established in between the pine tree root systems. But that's going to be one of the major concerns you're going to have. Okay, would you say the name of that again, please? You want to have Densiformis, D-E-N-S-I-F-O-R-M-I-S. So it's a type of spreading U, Y-E-W. And and about how tall can they get? They can get probably uh, reasonably, you know, 8 to 10 feet high and 8 to 10 feet wide. Okay. All right. Well, thanks a lot. I appreciate that. Sure. Yeah, good luck with that. And, again... Always make sure that when they're planted, the hole is three times the diameter of the root ball, but only 80% as deep. I keep saying that, but, I mean, it's got that's what it's got to be. Let's go over to Marie's yard. Hi, Marie. Hello. Hi. Uh, I have a drainage ditch that goes across the whole back of my yard, and I've been trying to fill you know, the sides in with dirt, and then I was wanting to plant poppies along there and can i do that just from the poppy seed or do i have to buy bulbs uh well poppies are not really bulbs they're basically grown from seed so as far as the poppies i know now is there still erosion because the soil did you mix you know mix of whatever soil you put in this drainage area with the existing soil or just lay some soil on top of it i've just been putting new dirt on top of it because um, the people who owned the house originally foreclosed on and the bank owned it, and then the people who we bought it from mowed the grass every two weeks, and that's all they did to the yard. So it's eroded, you know, back. So I want to, you know, put in a hillside, you know, so it slopes a little bit more instead of just, you know, falling off. And then I was wanting to put something on there to, you know, hold it so it doesn't, you know, road anymore. Well, to be honest with you, if you just lay dirt on top of the ground, it's not going to stay there. It's going to erode away on its own. Well, um, 
they had bricks all around the yard as I don't know what, but I've kind of been putting, you know, bricks down at the bottom of this and then putting the dirt on top of it. I don't know what else to do. No. <laughs> What should, I, what should I do to have it stay? Basically, you got to probably bring in a professional contractor. They're going to turn the soil over that's on the sides of this drainage area, and then they could add more soil to elevate the spot. But just to lay soil on top of the ground without you know without blending in with the existing soil, you're just spinning your wheels. Okay. Either that, or just uh, realize that you know maybe just plant some shrubs and not try to get some, you know poppies or something like that growing. <laughs> Okay. All righty. That's what I wanted to know. Okay. Thank you very much. Yeah, I mean, there's a type of holly called inkberry, which is native to this region. It can handle a wet soil. So, probably, you know, doing something along that line as opposed to, you know, poppies, That's poppies are not going to help at all. Okay. Well, would daylilies or irises or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, maybe this Jap- would be a, this, Japanese this would be, I- oh. What? Japanese this would iris. Be a- Go ahead. I'm sorry. Japanese iris wood, regular iris can't handle wet soil. Well, this isn't wet, you know, because this is, you know, still into the drainage ditch. And right now we've got, you know, cattails growing actually in the ditch. But I just want to kind of fill in and rebuild the sides of this thing and then plant something that'll hold it. Yeah, I would say look at shrubs as opposed to like red twig dogwood or inkberry, something along that line as opposed to any kind of, let's say, herbaceous perennial type thing. Okay. All righty. Thank you very much. Certainly. And now let's go to John's yard. Hi, John. Hello, Mike. Hi. Um, Mike, I have an Elsia tree in my front yard Mm -hmm. that is still dormant. Uh, last year it did turn green until this time, and I did it in sections. Um, I'm wondering, is this tree kind of dying a slow death? It's got some kind of disease. That might not uh, be disease. It might be aging. But, yeah, it should be leafed out by now. Yeah, it's completely dormant. I, I, I hate to take it out, but um, uh, I guess I have to. Uh, is there anything I can do to save it, you think, or or? Well, don't rush to, you know, to take it out, but just go out and, you know, a couple of smaller branches, just kind of bend them and see if they're still flexible. If they are, then okay. it's, they're still viable. If they snap, then that's dead. Okay. All right. It, um, but yeah, it was healthy until last year. And it's, you know, like I said, it turned green in sections and that, uh, you know, I didn't know what to do in this year. It, it's, uh, it's completely dormant right now. So, yeah. okay, I'll try that. I, all righty. Appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Yeah, and if you really like it, just go ahead and maybe leave it in, in you know, planted and then get some new ones and plant around it. So as the new ones start to get established, maybe this one will give them a little bit of a aesthetic value. Okay. Thank you. Yep. And now let's go to Ken's yard. Hi, Ken. Uh, Mike. Yes. I uh, think you just answered my question. I have two Yoshimo cherry trees. Uh, that were uh, planted about three years ago, and they're about 15 feet tall. One of them blossomed out and leafed out really well. The other one is full of buds all over it, but as plump as those buds are, it hasn't popped yet, and it's still pliable. It's still green. It still looks alive. It looks like it's early spring still. Is the tree going to make it is it dead how much how much time should i give it i would well, say give it, I yeah give it one more year but to me it sounds dead 
because the flexibility just means that, you know, it's not totally dead yet, so they're not brittle or breaking. But if it's budded, you know, well-budded and everything, that was stuff that was, you know, basically formed last year. And if they're not pushing out by now, I mean, we're almost to June. Right. So this is, it doesn't sound good. I didn't think so either. Thank you very much, Mike. Certainly. I hate to be the purveyor of doom. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Let's go over to Gina's yard. Hi, Gina. Hello. Hi. Um, yes, Mike, I was calling about a recommendation on evergreens. Um, I wanted to create I have a corner lot, and I wanted to create kind of a blind because um, drivers take quick turns. And um, so I have already purchased and installed a um, blue uh, Colorado spruce. Mm-hmm. And then I want to put in three more uh, evergreens. I thought I would do a green uh, spruce, the narrow ones. Right. And then I wanted a recommendation on two other ones, maybe a little variety that would do well in, in St. Louis. Yeah, I probably maybe look at uh, one of the Arbor Vitis if you like. Okay. So, and then also a juniper. Juniper, okay. like Hetsy juniper. You can get, get them. They have a bluish cast to them as opposed to just sort of, it won't match your blue spruce, but it'll have that kind of cast where the arborvitae will be just, you know, basically green. Okay. And so that's just the only other two items that you would recommend. Yeah, I mean, that's, they're all tough. They're all durable. And uh, probably the slowest growing one's going to be the uh, blue Colorado blue spruce. Okay. And then I wanted to ask another question. In my backyard, I want to put a tree. Then the my yard slopes, and then the, the neighbor behind me slopes. And so, and I think at one time there was a creek that ran through uh, the lower section of my yard, and it's not very deep. So I need a tree that can handle the moisture during um, heavy rain periods. Uh. There's a couple of them. You could look at the bald cypress, which is going to get huge, but it's going to get huge over, you know, relatively slow. And then also something called a black, B-L-A-C-K, black gum, not sweet gum. They can both take a um, wet or moist circumstance. You know, I put a seedless black gum on a, in my front yard a couple of years ago, and it's on a hill. <laughs> Will that do okay there? Yeah, they like, they don't, they love moisture. Oh, no, this is dry. This is this would be very dry. Okay, they can handle it either way. So I thought you said okay, it was an good. old creek. So, well, no, I was. I, I had just mentioned that I had a few years ago. I put a, a seedless flag gum in the front yard, oh. which is, you know, my house is up on 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 a you know little small hill, you know. Right. And um, so where the I put that gum, it's on the top of the hill there, and so what we. we you know, dry, and since you said moisture, like moisture, kind of concerns me, it wouldn't do well there. They can handle the moisture, but they don't have to have it. So you could okay, look at some, you could try something like a ginkgo, G-I-N-K-O, or G-I-N-G-K-O, ginkgo. You might look at those too. For the backyard, for yeah. the moisture? Yeah. yeah. Those are extremely slow growing, correct? 
But I would look at, you know, I look at, again, the black gum or the bald cypress. Bald cypress is going to be the fastest growing. If you want something really fast growing, it would be the willow. Oh, well, <laughs> um, I think I might look into another black gum. Okay, that sounds perfect. I it, yeah, I, because I have the electrical wires, you know, at, at the, um, you know, border of the backyard. Right. And then, like I said, it's not very deep. And, okay. You know, I don't have a deep backyard, so I, maybe the black gum would be better because of the size of it. Yeah, it's the size and it's relatively slow growing, too. Oh, black gum is so growing too. Okay, thank you so much, Mike. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's go over to Wayne's yard. Hi, Wayne. Hello, Wayne. Hello. Yes. Hey, I got a. I planted a bunch of rose bushes this year, and I noticed that the blooms once they quit, will there be new blooms come in there, or do I got to trim where the dead ones uh, left? You should cut the spent flowers off. That will encourage them, you know, depending upon the, you know, the variety of, you know, if they're hybrid teas and that type, they'll rebloom. But make sure you get some rose food, too, and start feeding them. Okay. Sounds like a winner. All right. Thank you very much. Yeah, See definitely ya. cut, right. you know, cut the spent rose buds off. That will help, you know, encourage new bud formation. Let's go over to Pam's yard. Hi, Pam. Hi, Mike. Uh, last year you were out at my home and we discussed planting a little gem magnolia in a very large pot, which I did, and it seems to be doing well. What would be the best fertilizer to to use on this magnolia that's in this big pot? Uh, basically any kind of all-purpose fertilizer. Okay, the regular liquid fertilizer. Yeah, I mean, you could get the granite that you mix up in water and pour it on it, or you right. know, either way. Or you can get the liquid that you have the, you know, the, that you screw into a, an attachment that you put right. on your hose. Okay, uh, but something for uh, acid-loving plants, right? Yes, right, exactly. Okay, how often do you think would be uh, should it be used watered with the fertilizer? Uh, probably. I would have done it a little bit earlier, but probably like, let's say, March, April, and May. Okay, just once a month? Yes. Okay, well, I have already done it once. So. Okay, great. Okay, that's good. Okay, thank you, Mike. Certainly, my pleasure. Bye-bye. And now let's go to Brad's yard. Hi, Brad. Hi, Mike. Um, I have a, a well, I think it's some kind of a cedar, and it was planted next to a large tree, and because of the large tree, it backed, it kind of pulled itself away. And in other words, now it's leaning. Right. How, however, now the large tree is gone. But I like this, this cedar for there are a lot of reasons. But is there a way for me to put something on that to pull that straight? Like Maybe. some kind of a cable or something? No, you really can't. It's, oh. You would really mess it up if you did that. It would be way beyond what you want to have happen because you put a cable, you try to pull it back, you're going to start rubbing the bark off the thing, and it's going to create just a nightmare. So the fact it was leaning towards the light, it's that's its destiny. Okay, so it is what it is, I guess. Pretty much. If you want to have something straight, get another one. Same variety, maybe plant it a couple feet away from the one that's leaning, and it'll mm -hmm. create a you know a more full look. But it's not you can't pull this one if it's, especially if it's been leaning for a couple of years. Oh yeah, it has. Okay. Yeah, so. All right. Well, thanks for the info. Sure. And now let's head over to Mike's yard. Hi, Mike. 
Oh, hi, Mike. Hi. Uh, thanks for your service. Sure. Uh, can you hear me okay? Yes. Um, so I've got a little blackberry patch in the backyard. Uh, it's probably about 15 square feet or 20 square feet. And uh, um, a lot of uh, weeds and violets in particular grow up on the ground underneath all these blackberry uh stalks and so forth and i didn't know if it was safe to spray those with any kind of weed killer that won't get into the blackberries will it uh shouldn't you know most of them are going to be very specific on what they get rid of now you don't really they won't really impact the blackberries unless you just want to have the patch where it doesn't have anything growing underneath the blackberries Right, that's what I want. I want okay. to eliminate all these violets. Okay, because basically, if you go and look at the blackberries, you know, growing around, growing along tree lines and stuff like that, they have all kinds of other stuff growing with them. So it really won't affect production or anything else. So you're doing this strictly for an aesthetic, personal aesthetic call. Yeah, to rid rid the patch of all these weeds. Right, and just realize it's going to take us. You know, it's going to be a slow process. Don't expect it to happen. I even in one or two years, it may take longer than that. No, but the blackberries won't absorb the poison through the ground. No. Okay. Great. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously, read whatever you're going to put down to make sure. But for the most part, you know, most of the herbicides stay very kind of specific and don't contaminate the ground. Mike Miller, okay. KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Headed over to Barb's yard. Hi, Barb. Hi. I have a question about elephant ear bulbs. Uh I have a bunch that are in the basement. I dug them up in the fall of last year. And now when it was time to put them back in the ground, we decided we were going to move. And then we're not going to move, I guess, because, well, you know what happened. And... What do I do now? Is it too late to plant them and then maybe dig them up when it's time to move? Or should I let them in the basement this year? Will they still be good next year if I don't plant them at all this year? I don't Uh, know what to do. That's going to be iffy because they may dehydrate. I mean, they may survive, but if you're potentially going to move, rather than putting them in the ground, put them in pots. That's a little easier to take them them out. Okay. Okay. And what kind of soil would I use then um, out of my garden, dig it up? Or no, get potting mix. Potting mix, okay. Okay, and, and put, I mean, I have probably 20. So should I just put them one in each pot? No, or? no, 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 you can put a couple. Okay. All right, they were my mom's, and I hate for them to, you know, be destroyed this year, but everything has gone such helter-skelter. That... <laughs> right. Just make sure <laughs> the pots know. are, you know, are adequate, because you know how big they get. And if they're too yeah. small, then they're going to get blown over all the time. So, yeah. Right. And then again, too, do I keep them in the sun in the middle of the yard or put them like right where I would have planted them? Because they, they do really well in my yard. I would say put them where you historically have planted them. Okay. They won't mind being not being in the ground. No, not at all. I grow mine in pots, and I've been doing it for decades. Oh, I'll be darned. Okay. Well, thanks a lot for your help. I appreciate sure. it. My pleasure. Bye. And now let's go to Baldwin, and Nancy lives in Baldwin. Hi, Nancy. Hi, Mike. Uh, we have a four-year-old, about an eight-foot-tall ginkgo tree that um, many of the smaller leaves have been chopped off into a half a leaf and has little brown spots on it, like something's been eaten at it. But some of the leaves are large, and they haven't been affected at all. Do you think it's a bug? Uh, generally not. Ginkgos are pretty insect-free. So I don't mm. – I mean, it probably is, but what it would be, I'm not exactly sure. Like, they're – 
I mean, ginkgos are insect-free, disease-free. They're probably one of the most problematic, problem-free trees there is. Boy, that's weird then, because most of the leaves are half chopped off. Hmm. So something got hungry. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> yeah. And one other quick question too: We put some grass seed down last year, and the blades are just real pale, real skinny. Um, I don't remember what kind of grass seed we used. Um, but is it too late to plant some more grass seed? If you're going to do it, you're going to have to do it really quickly because I, like last hour, I talked to a lady about putting seed down. What if you're putting bluegrass or even fescue down? Those are cool season grasses, and they're going to be facing a disastrous potentially summertime heat, and that's going to be trouble. So if I put some zoysia there, it would be all right. Well, you could do that. Yeah, I mean sod, of course. Yes. Yes. Okay. Thank you very much. Sure. My pleasure. Yeah, what's chewing on your ginkgo? I mean, that's a, that's a real tough one. So. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. It's very strange. Hmm. Well, we'll just hope it lives, yes. and I won't fertilize it now because I know you said if it's in stress, you don't fertilize it. Yeah, you could do some deep root feeding, and that's augering holes and backfilling with compost, but other than that, that's all you need to do. Great, uh, thanks. <laughs> Let's head over you. to Brentwood and go into Jan's yard. Hi, Jan. Hey, Mike, this Hi. is Jan. Hi. Uh, two quick questions. Uh, cutting the... We got a zoysia grass. If when we cut it, do we let it uh, go in the? Should we catch it or let it go on the lawn? And the other quick question is uh, nut grass. How to get rid of it? Nut so grass. You have to get a, a specific herbicide that for killing nut grass, like sedgender or something like that. And as far as bagging your clippings, if your clippings are less than an inch, you don't really have to bag. But some people don't like to see any kind of debris at all. It doesn't really matter all that much. Okay, and. Like every every time you cut it, you do the same thing, or you go back and forth. You know, let some. It just depends upon you know personality more so than anything. Personality of us or the grass? No, you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you, sir. Sure. And now, uh, Carol, can you do it really quick? Yes, Mike. Um, I have a question about. I have two gardenia plants that I brought inside, mm-hmm. and they developed white fly. Mm. And now I sprayed them with some Scott's bug spray, which said they do white fly, but um, it doesn't seem to be doing any good. The leaves are dying. Um, is the plant dying or just the leaves? Just the foliage, and, prob- and make sure you spray the underside of the leaf and spray the soil, too. Okay. Okay. Well, they were fine until like March, and then they developed that. So yeah, now right. should I trim that? Trim that? Trim it back at all? I would. I would leave it alone. To be honest with you. Okay. All righty. I'll take your advice. All right. Thanks a lot. Yeah. I mean, uh, I don't think we're going to be able to get to Tom, Ben, or Karen. So sorry. But uh, other things, if you do have azaleas and they flower this year, some were. I mean, spectacular. If you're going to do any kind of pruning at all, do it now. I would say don't prune those guys. People have a tendency to over, you know, to prune, and it kind of knocks sort of out of sequence. And if you're growing mums for fall bloom, you want to pinch them back about 25% now, and you're going to do that every month with the last pinching uh, sometime in July, and that's going to make them nice, thick, and bushy. And just watch, you know, as soon as you start seeing any kind of weeds you know, coming up in your lawn, go after it really quickly, whether it's nutgrass, whether it's a broadleaf weed or anything else, because the longer the weeds grow, the more waxy cuticle they're going to get, and it's going to make it tougher for you to get them under control. If you're going to grow tomatoes, 
Tomatoes need a lot of moisture and they need food. Use tomato food because it's going to have some calcium and a couple of other nutrients that uh, will prevent the tomatoes from getting blossom end rot. That's when the black, when the bottoms get, you know, let's say black. And let's see, as I, the lady was calling about or, or the elephant ears, but any of the cannas, any of that stuff, we still got plenty of time to get those into the ground. So if you want to get some dahlias, you want to get some cannas, you want to get some caladiums, whatever it happens to be, we've got time to plant. So don't worry about that. Uh, as soon as your daffodils and tulips, the foliage starts turning brown, that's the time when you want to go ahead and just cut it off. You can cut it off at ground level. Daffodils are probably going to come back for a couple years. The tulips, maybe one or two years, and that's going to be pretty much it. So Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline. See you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.